Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode number 191. The title of it is Three Vital Keys for Leading a Small Group. I had a mastermind student ask a question about leading a small group. What does it mean? What kind of small groups are there? Can we have a small group like a sanctification group, a group where we come together and talk about our lives so that we can help each other to mature in Christ's likeness? And so that discussion has been going on for a couple of weeks in our private mastermind forums on our website. We do have a private place that no one can access but our mastermind students so we can talk shop. We talk all sorts of things, and it's one of the ways that I serve our mastermind students in the program. We do have an all-online mastermind course, a discipleship course. Some people call it a biblical counseling training course, and that's great. Those are all accurate titles. If you want to learn how to do biblical counseling, specifically discipleship in the local church or personal ministry, then this mastermind course is for you. It is all online. You can do it within the comfort of your home, but it's not just doing coursework. It is expansive, and I would like to think it is exhaustive in that we cover several different areas of the individual's lives as we try to develop them into greater Christ-likeness, and a part of that are the forums that we provide for our mastermind students only where we can interact with each other and do just that, talk shop. And so this student was asking about leading a small group. She wants to lead one in her local church or develop one in her local church. And it is an envisioning process because small groups have been popular for decades. This is nothing new within our local churches. They have been going on for a long time, but there are different kinds of small groups. And you're probably most familiar with a Bible study. That is maybe the majority report as far as small groups are concerned. People have been getting together for Bible studies since, well, I guess the Bible was published. But And, and all of them are excellent, by the way. All of them do not have to be wrong. Small groups are great within the local church in any configuration, especially if it's helping us to... Uh, become more Christ-like. But in this podcast, I'm going to address how to build a dynamic discipleship group that focuses on sanctification. I want to deal with that. So I'm not going to talk about how to have a Bible study. I think that's pretty much intuitive. But this idea of having a discipleship group, well, it's, it's not only vital to understand how to have one, uh, but it takes a lot of work to do it because it's different. Honestly, it's easier to have a Bible study. Everybody can come together and we can look at Scripture and we can share our thoughts about Scripture and go away with more knowledge. But when it comes to a sanctification group, it's, it's much harder. It's, it's more entangling because now we're not talking about the Bible necessarily. We are talking about ourselves. And it is hard for people to come together and take their mask off and talk in a vulnerable, weak, transparent way about some of the things that's going on in their lives and relationships. It's much easier to talk about the Bible. You can 
you can actually hide yourself from the group right in the middle of a Bible study. Now, you can also do that in a sanctification group, too, and I understand that, but it's much harder because if you're doing a sanctification group well, uh, then there's going to be appropriate biblical intrusiveness into your life, which is the point of the group. And, of course, that's why I want to talk about this because it's not unique but it is a challenge to get everybody on board with this kind of group. If you want to read my show notes, you're welcome to do that. It's episode 191, Three Vital Keys Leading a Small Group. Now, this podcast is not an exhaustive treatment on the subject of envisioning and equipping a small group, but I do want to provide you with at least three vital keys And those vital keys are, in this order, that I'll deal with in this podcast, the purpose of the group, the leader of the group, and the environment of the group. Now, if you want more information about leading a small group, I have three other articles here that will help you. In fact, you can also go to the search box on our website and and just type in the words small group. Just type those two words into the search box and you'll get more information. And if you really are serious about this idea of building a small group and you want to do a a deep, deep dive into it, I've talked about this a lot. In fact, one of my goals is to write a book on small groups, but I have a lot of books in my head and it is down the line at some point and God willing, if he If he extends my days, then I do want to write a book on small group, but you can be preemptive. (laughs) You can go ahead and start reading that material now because it's all on our website, rickthomas.net. And so type those two words, small group, into the search box and then just spend some time studying the articles and the resources that I have for you. And then as always, if you want to talk about this, well, let's do it. Go to our website, get on our community forums, and you can ask whatever question that you have, and it would be fantastic. I want to talk to you. I want you to ask your questions, and so do that, and I'll be glad, uh, me or our team will be glad to answer your questions and respond to you and give you some ideas, direction, some advice, guidance about this idea of small group. Of course, we'll talk to you about anything else as well. For those of you who are supporting our ministry, thank you. Uh, You can go to our private forums, not the community forums, but the private forums just for our smaller community of supporters, and you can ask your question there. Let me get into this. Again, the show notes, the title, episode 191. This is Life Over Coffee, Three Vital Keys for Leading a Small Group. I want to cover your purpose, your leader, and your environment. Let's talk about the purpose of the group. A sanctification group is for the envisioning, engaging, and equipping of believers into greater Christ-likeness, which looks like loving God and others effectively. This is how we have always parented. We've told our children that there's only four words that you really have to know and practicalize in your life, and two of the words are the same. Love God, love others. Three words, love God others. Love God, love others. Those are the four words that 
they need to learn to know and practicalize in their life. And if they do that, well, that's the great, those are the two great commandments, as you know, right out of Matthew 22, 36 through 40. And we've condensed it down to those four words. And again, two of them are the same. So we want to make it as simple as possible. Love God, love others. And if you can do that in a practical way, well, you'll do everything else that the Bible teaches. And that's what Jesus was saying in Matthew 22. And so a sanctification group is for the envisioning, the engaging, and the equipping of believers into greater Christ-likeness, which looks like the two great commandments. And you want to do it in this order. You want to envision them. You want to give them a, a vision of, of what the group is about. Then you have to engage them. That's where you have to be appropriately and biblically intrusive into their lives. Why? For the purpose of equipping them. So you're envisioning, you're engaging, you're equipping them, believers, into greater Christ-likeness. Now, there are all types of groups, and I mentioned that earlier, like Bible studies, and none of them have to be wrong. In fact, it would be great. You have women's groups and men's groups and Bible studies and youth groups, older groups. You have all of that, and that's fantastic. But what I'm talking about here is a sanctification group, and so under this heading, the purpose of the group, you must state that up front. If you're not clear on the purpose of the group, other opinions and agendas will take over what you hope to do. Uh, I remember one group that I, I started years ago in a local church, and I stated this up front, that this is a sanctification group. This is what we are about. And I had an elder in that group, and during one of the meetings one night, he said, he was talking about the sermon, and he said, you know, I know that this is a sanctification group, but if you don't mind, I want to talk about this theological point that was made in the sermon, whatever that theological point that he wanted to talk about. And he said, if you don't mind, and since he said it that way, I interrupted him and said, well, I mean, thank you for prefacing it that way, but I do mind. This is not the purpose of the group. This is not a Bible study. This is a sanctification group. If you want to talk about how to apply that into your life practically, then let's do that because that is the purpose of the group. If you want to talk theology, then I would encourage you to get with the person that you're talking to here. And you, you two, you have coffee tomorrow, and you just do all the theological wrangling that you want to do. But that's, again, it's not the purpose of the group. And I said it in a kind way. He received it in a kind way, and we moved on, and we stayed on point. I'm not trying to be anal about it. But again, you want to be clear as to what the group is. It is a sanctification group, and you want to state that up front. Now, because it is a sanctification group, that implies that it's for Christians only. Paul taught us that natural people cannot understand the things of God because we discern the things of God spiritually. And natural people are dead in their trespasses and sins, as we learn in Ephesians 2. And so a dead man or a dead woman is not going to be able to, they're just not going to get in the flow of all of it because this is a sanctification group. The, the very word means post-salvation. You can only have sanctification after you are born again. And so this group is for alive people, individuals who have been quickened by the Spirit of God and have the illumination of the Spirit of God in their hearts. And the reason for this, I mean, the obvious one, is that transformation, 
Transformation implies the critical work of the Spirit of God, who is the changer of lives. The small group leader doesn't change anyone, and no other individual in the group changes anyone. No human changes another human. That's not how that works. The only way that a person can change is if the changer of lives does that, the, the Holy Counselor, the Spirit of God. And so you, you have a sanctification group for Christians only. If you want to have a mixed group of saved and lost people, that's fantastic if you want to do that. But it would not be for this. That would be a disaster. Uh, it would be dangerous, and honestly, it would be unkind to the Christians in the group if you're trying to explore Christianity from the perspective of transformation in their lives. You're requiring these people to be open and vulnerable and transparent and to reveal deep and dark secrets, etc. And if you want to do that, then I'll talk about safety a little bit later, uh, but you want to make sure that as much as you can discern, of course, that is for believers and, and another point here, as you talk about this, this idea of the purpose of the group, you know that it's going to take a while for people to become comfortable with your goals. So having folks from the same family is essential. You want to, and you want to establish ground rules for the group. In the first meeting, you want to set this up. In fact, I would encourage you that before you have your first meeting, that you envision potential members before they ever meet together, so they won't be taken off guard. And when they come to the meeting, they will have a general idea of what this group is about. You don't want to necessarily spring some of these things on people after they get in the group because you will find, because some people just aren't that comfortable with that kind of transparency in a group setting, you will find that it will not be that spiffy for some people. And so you want to talk to them. It would be excellent to have some kind of some kind of interview process it doesn't have to be formal at all but you just want to chat people up and talk to them about what you what you are after and then as you do this in your first meeting again we're talking about the purpose of the group you you do want to lay out some ground rules for the group let me give you three ground rules and you can have many more but one of those is what folks say in the group stays in the group that's imperative this is a closed group, and because you're wanting to build that trust within the group, and, and that's why you don't want unbelievers coming in. Hey, did you hear that? You know, this person here has committed adultery, you know, whatever that could happen in a group. And I've heard all of those things in a local group, uh, in, in a uh, small group. And so you want to let them know that what's, what is said in the group stays in the group. Privacy is really important. Number two, it's not a Bible study. We're talking about our lives. I mentioned that earlier with the elder who wanted to do some theological wrangling. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. That's a Bible study, but this is a sanctification group. Another ground rule could be we won't go through a book. And the way I say it is that I have, honestly, I have never gone through a book in a small group. Never have, and by the grace of God, I never will. I have no desire to go through a book with a group of Christians. What I tell them is you are the book. You are an epistle, known and read. You're open. Well, you want to be open. Some, some books are closed and locked down tight, sealed, double sealed, in a vault. 
But you are the book, and so we are the book. And so we walk in with our lives and we open ourselves up. The problem with books is that it can move us down paths. Again, you can hide behind a book in a small group. Now, if you want to do a book small group, do it. Do it. But a sanctification group, you don't need a book because you are a book. I mean, you can use the sermon. You can start talking about the sermon, but the intention is to move to move the conversation into how you practically are applying that sermon in your life. And so the sermon becomes a launching point. But if you use a book in a sanctification group, then you're going to talk about Biff and Mabel in this book. And what Biff and Mabel should be doing, well, you know, they should be doing this. And if I were Biff, I would be saying this, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you are Biff. Talk about yourself. Don't talk about what's going on in a book. And so if you do use a book, you will, I'll get to the leadership part in just a moment. You really have to be astute as a leader to be able to direct it back to the individuals. But books get in the way of what you're trying to do in this group, your sanctification group. Use the sermon as your launching point. And then... Uh, direct the conversation to how they are practicalizing it into their lives. And so the purpose of the group, there's just some ideas. Now I want to talk about the leader of the group. The leader of the group has to be a skilled disciple, discipler, rather. The leader of the group has to be a skilled discipler, not just a nice person in the church who is willing to, to sit in that chair. No, that's not what you need. You're looking for a true leader with a clear gift mix that affirms their leadership gifting. You're looking for a leader. Now, the reason for that, there are a lot of reasons, but I want to give you four reasons of why this is important. It takes a lot of wisdom, a lot of courage, a lot of discernment, and the ability to replicate. Those are just four things that are vital uh, in a leader. And if a leader doesn't have this in the group, well, it'll land in the ditch every evening and people will become exhausted with it. Fatigue will set in and they'll get tired of coming because a leader leads. You, you, don't want a, um, you don't want a group facilitator. A group facilitator is for something else. They're not leading anybody anywhere. They're just calling on names and saying, well, you want to share? And you want to share? But they're not taking the group uh, anywhere. They may be a great encourager, but they're not a leader. You need a directive person that can lead in sanctification and I've given you four reasons here, wisdom, courage, discernment, and replication. Let me take each one of those. For example, when someone hijacks the meeting, the leader needs to know how to get things back on track. And so you're leading a group and Sister Mabel just starts monologuing and, and just takes it off in another direction. The leader has to have wisdom to be able to bring it back without totally offending Sister Mabel and also keeping everybody else in the group as they're beginning to roll their eyes like, here we go again. That will take wisdom. Now, there's many other aspects of wisdom. I'm just giving you a singular illustration. Courage. The leader must be in charge of the meeting. It's kind of tied to the illustration I just gave you. Not only will the leader have to know how to bring Sister Mabel back, back in track. By the way, one of the ways that I've done that historically is, is with Lucia. Lucia and I work as a team, and when somebody's taken the, the entire small group <laughs> into a ditch, uh, I'll call on Lucia to comment about what we're talking about, 
and she'll comment in the way that will put it back on track. That's just one of the ways that you can do it. You always want to have your ringers in the group, those people who know what you're trying to accomplish and will help you. They will assist you to keep it on track. But the leader must have uh, must be in charge of the meeting, and that may mean confronting someone, like someone who is dominating the time, or someone who wants to turn the group into something that it is not, like a Bible study. As again, as I've illustrated earlier with the elder, you need courage to do that because if you don't have the wisdom to be able to guide the group, and if you don't have the backbone, the courage to be able to lead the group, people will they'll get tired of it. They say, well, this is not what I thought it was going to be. That's why, again, you, you, you're up front with the purpose of the group. You have these ground rules. You establish how the vibe is going to be. This is what we're going to be doing. But then you have to lead it. You've got to lead it. The third key is discernment. The leader needs to know how to deal with heart issues, which means they can get under the surface of a person's struggle. They either know... Or they are learning the things that they're learning the things that, that our students learn in our mastermind course. It's a sanctification group, which connotes a lot of heart work and practical application that moves beyond theory. And so you need to not only get under the the surface of a person's life, and they talk about whatever's going on in their life, and you're listening at two levels, and you're you're hearing what they're saying out of their mouth, but you are assessing their heart while they are talking to you. But you're not just assessing the heart. So there's there's three things going on right now. You hear what they're saying. You're assessing the heart, and you know how to lead them. You know how to direct them. You can discern what what is the need at this moment so that you can help them move beyond theory. And the last thing you want is somebody in the group that just drones on and on about their problems, but the leader doesn't know how to lead them. As I said earlier, you're looking for a true leader with a clear gift mix that affirms their leadership gifting. I've talked about wisdom, courage, discernment, and then lastly, replication. The litmus test for any leader is the ability to replicate themselves into another person. If you can't replicate yourself into another person, you're not a leader. You're not a biblical leader in the truest sense of the word. Yeah, I have said in other podcasts that we're all leaders, and in one sense, we all are leaders. The question is, what kind of leader are we? Adolf Hitler was a leader, but he led millions of people astray. He was one of the most pathetic manifestations of a leader. But then there are great leaders as well who are totally different from that. And then there's everything in between. And so, yeah, everybody is a leader, but a leader in the context of a small group, the litmus test is your ability to replicate. Because if you can't replicate, if you can't go and make disciples, then you're not qualified to lead because you're not doing. What you're doing, what you're trying to do, will actually cease to exist. It will be gone after a while. When you go, it will go. And so leaders must replicate themselves. Now, one of the reasons for that in a small group is you want to begin identifying different individuals in the group who have a leadership gift, who have the gift mix, and you want to begin focusing on them because everybody in the group is not going to move along at the same pace. Some people will take a long time to get on with what you are trying to do. 
Others will be all up in it right from the beginning, right from jump. Not only that, but they, they have that charisma, they have the leadership gifting, and you want to zero in on them because your idea is to replicate them. You want them, too, to be a small group leader as well. The title of this podcast, episode 191, Three Vital Keys for Leading a Small Group. I'm only dealing with three. One, the purpose of the group. Two, I've been talking about the leader of the group. And then finally, I'll finish with the environment of the group. Probably the biggest environment piece that you want to think about is that the leader will model everything that he wants to accomplish in the group. You are the example. You lead in transparency. You lead in accountability. You lead in building trust. And there are many other traits that you desire to instill in the group. You could talk about how Jesus was transparent. Jesus was accountable. Jesus built trust. And that's, that's great. That's kind of theory at best. But what you want to do is give them a living, breathing example sitting right in front of them, and it is you. And so you want to model everything that you want to instill in the group. And the most important aspect in this sanctification group, the thing that's more important than anything else, is trust. Is trust. That is the environment of the group. See, here's what's happening Every member in the group is sitting there, and they're looking at you, the leader, and they are judging you in two specific areas in this order. They are vetting you. Here are the t- and, and I'll put this in question form. They're asking two questions. They're asking two questions about you. The first question is, can I trust you? You see, you're asking them to be a sanctification group. You're asking them to be vulnerable, to be weak, to be open, to be honest, to be transparent, to be forthright with whatever's going on in their lives. Well, nobody may say this, but everybody in the room is saying, can I trust you? If this is what you want me to be, can I trust you? That's why I said earlier, what's said in the group stays in the group. That's why it has to be a group of believers. Can I trust you? And then the second question that they're asking is, are you able to help me? Can you help me? Can you help me? Do you have the ability? Do you have that gift to mix? Do you have that leadership ability to help me? Why should I share what I have to share if you have no skills, if you can't help me? These are the two most important questions that everybody in the group is asking, even though they may never think about it like this or never put it in these words. But they're asking, if this is what this group is about, can I trust you? Can you steward my truth? Can you handle my truth? Can you hold my truth in the palm of your hands and take care of me? And then number two, if I share all this junk about my life, are you able to help me? I cannot overstate how vital it is to build trust. And with some of the folks, it could take multiple years. I won't give illustrations here, but I have illustrations of people who who held on to their junk for 18 months, 24 months, before they would ever reveal the deeper things, the deeper regrets and shame and guilt and sin in their lives because they're asking these two questions. Can I trust you? Yeah, I know what we're supposed to be doing. I know this is a sanctification group, and I really hope it is because I want to get out of this bondage. But are you able to help me? I'm not going to trot this out there if you have no skills. And so it can take a long time for some people to be that open. Now, there's a downside, obviously, to having seasonal groups or groups where 
folks reshuffle every so often because that will hurt trust. It will it will take away from everything that that I am talking about here. Again, we're talking about a sanctification group. And so I'm not I'm not a fan of seasonal groups. I'm not a fan of groups that, that change up the membership. They do that. I, they do that in part because they want everybody to get to know everybody, which is kind of a dumb idea anyway, because you can only know so many people. I mean, think about it. How many close friends do you have? I mean, you can have, you, you can theoretically have all these acquaintances in the church, but ultimately you only know two or three people. And so you want to build with a group of people that you're not reshuffling. And so for a sanctification group, you need a long-term setting for folks to build trust. Now, this structure is also conducive for training and launching new leaders, which again, if you are a leader, you'll be able to replicate because what you want to do is you want to identify that person or persons in your group. You want to replicate them and send them out. And so it doesn't mean that the constituency will stay the same all the time until Jesus returns, until everybody drops dead. I'm not saying that. You'll have people that will go out of the group one at a time, and you'll bring one or two in every now and then. And so the dynamic of the group can change over a period of a year or two years. It can change as a leader goes out and launches one or somebody leaves for whatever reason and you bring another one in. But you're not, you're not shaking up the entire snow globe at one time and bringing a total new group of people and starting over again. That would be impossibly hard. Or let me state it another way. That would be impossible to do the things that I'm talking about here. This is episode 191, Three Vital Keys for Leading a Small Group. You are welcome to get on our forums if you want to talk more about this. As I said, I have three articles here uh, in these show notes, episode excuse me, episode 191, or uh, you can just type the two words, small group, into the search box, and you can can read a whole lot more about this. Thank you so much for listening, and again, if you want to talk, get on our forums, and let's do just that. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.